Welcome to People's Church. Before we get to this week's message with Pastor Tom Murray, we want you to know that you matter to your Heavenly Father and you matter to us. People's Church is a multi-generational faith community in Salem, committed to knowing Christ and making Him known. Sunday morning worship services at our Salem campus are at 8.30, 10, and 11.30. Watch messages anytime and plan your visit at peopleschurch.com. We pray this practical biblical teaching is encouraging, challenging, and possibly even life-changing. If I said uh, from above, a father sends his only son to save the earth, when the son comes to earth, raised by earthly parents and a mother named Mary, I would, of course, be speaking about Superman. I want to show you a clip from the first Superman comic released, published in 1939. This is the capsule of Superman the infant arriving on earth, Superman number one, 1939, and this is the uh, earthly parents of Superman, the adoptive parents, and the husband says, look, Mary, it's a child. Now, the Superman experts in the room would say that uh, over the years, the earthly parents of Superman, have their names have changed. But when Superman was first published, the earthly name of his earthly mother, the, mother, the name of his earthly mother would be Mary. There are actually parallels between the fictional story of Superman, many parallels, and the real historical events of Jesus' life. When it comes to Superman, first published as a comic in the late 1930s, think about what was happening in American history in the 1930s. We were deep into the Great Depression. There was economic collapse. The banks failed. Mass unemployment. High rates of homelessness and hunger. Many left rural areas to try to find work in the cities. On top of this ongoing Great Depression, global tensions were escalating that would lead to the beginning of World War II. It was a dark time for our country. And if you were living during that time in American history, you might be longing, saying, where, where is the hope? How does this all get turned around? And then onto the store shelves comes a comic book called Superman, which was created by two Jewish teenagers, Jerry Siegel and Joel Schuster. Stephen Skelton, who would later write the gospel according to the world's greatest superhero, said the creators of Superman were looking for a savior figure that they could relate to, that they could envision, someone to give them hope and inspire them. Superman would, of course, become this cultural icon over the decades, movies, TV shows, books, and video games. Parallels between fictional Superman and real Jesus continued. In 1978, the Superman movie, there is a scene where Superman's father, played by... Marlon Brando is getting ready to send him to earth and says, son, you will go to the world for humanity to save them from the forces of evil. Faster than a speeding bullet. Some of you don't know any Bible verses, but you know that. (laughs) 
now you're going to be reluctant. More powerful than a locomotive and able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. Superman, the narrator told us, came to fight for truth and justice. Think about this question. What if fictional superheroes are the result of real human desire for strength, protection, and rescue that is beyond human ability? What if we are actually wired by our Heavenly Father to long for supernatural intervention? What if God actually designed us to live in expectation that he wants to move in our lives in ways that cannot be explained in the natural? When do we reach out? When do we want this outside help? Well, it's when life feels like it's too much when we feel overpowered by the struggles of daily life, when the medical, financial, and the relational is overwhelming, when there is a mountain, sometimes that mountain is physical, sometimes it's emotional, sometimes it's spiritual, and it seems like that mountain is never going to move. That's when we need outside intervention, supernatural intervention. I'm a little bit put in my place this morning thinking about some of the struggles that we have in our daily lives here in Oregon as the Serdachenkos share about living in Ukraine, going for weeks without power, without electricity and water, trying to keep a school open, and yet they faithfully press forward, not under their own strength, but by the hand of a mighty God. In that moment... It can feel like if we don't get outside help, it's all going to fall apart. We feel like if we don't get outside help, whatever it is that's out there, it seems like we're going to be conquered by it. And this is where we rejoin our Christmas series called His Name Shall Be Called. His Name Shall Be Called from the verse in Isaiah, Isaiah 9, 6, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called, his name shall be called, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 800 years before Jesus was born, there was a promise. Almost certainly Isaiah was not aware of how significant his words would become to us here today. Isaiah promised that the hope of the world would arrive as a newborn, a child is born. And remember, Isaiah gives this promise at a time that was dark in the history of the Jewish people. They were ruled by a wicked king whose decisions would lead to the downfall of the southern kingdom. He was facing imminent invasion and collapse. And into that distress, into a time of darkness, Isaiah promises on the horizon Be expectant. There's one who's coming who is wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father and prince of peace. The promise that they could then press into is that there is more, there is more coming than the present spiritual and cultural darkness. And today in the year 2022, we look around us and many of us would say there are times when we feel despair because of present circumstances or it seems like we're only as the culture plunging deeper and deeper into darkness as culture around us rejects God but here is the reality my friends with Christ your hope is not dictated by the despair of the present circumstances your hope is not dictated by the darkness of a culture embracing sin 
We have a hope. Isaiah 9, 6 promises the Messiah, the Savior, the Jesus. And we now live in the fulfillment of that promise. Jesus has come. He lived a perfect life. He suffered and died on the cross, and he defeated death. So we are devoting a message to each of these names that Isaiah gave. Last week, we talked about Wonderful Counselor. We said that in today's culture, the word uh, wonderful has been watered down, and we essentially use the word wonderful as a replacement for really good. Well, I'm here to tell you that Jesus is more than just really good. See, at the heart of the word wonderful is amazing beyond words, astonishing, overwhelming with goodness. That is how Jesus is wonderful, and he is counselor. He is a leader that is worthy of following. So Jesus is wonderful counselor, and he is mighty God. Ancient Jewish culture placed high value on names. Sometimes people had their birth name, and then they had a religious name or a faith name. And the practice was based on the belief that names told a story about your heritage or names spoke about a destiny declared over you. A name to impact or symbolize or shape or advance or propel a person to fulfill their name. Jesus fulfilled these names and many more. At Christmas, we celebrate that Jesus was born because of why he was born. In this Christmas season, we would say as followers of Christ, the reason for the season is the Savior, Jesus, born into the world. We celebrate the birth of Jesus because of what he was born to do. Paul puts it this way in his letter to Timothy. 1 Timothy 1.15, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of, who, of whom I am the foremost. So that sentence that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. We could replace a portion of that phrase with the phrase was born. That Christ Jesus was born into the world to save sinners. That's why he came. We've talked about this desire that is built into us as people for an intervention that is beyond what is humanly possible. Paul writes, Christ came into the world to save sinners. And Paul says, and by the way, in case you're wondering, of all the sinners out there, I'm the worst one. See, thoughts, words, and actions that are against God's ways, that's sin. Deliberate rebellion against God's good character, that's sin. And sin impacts the whole human race. The Bible tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The same Messiah who pro the same Isaiah who promised mighty God Messiah also said this, Isaiah 53, 6. All, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. We've turned to selfish desires. God loves us. God loves us. And God is also holy. God loves us. And God is also holy. And the holiness of God means that it is impossible for him to coexist with sin. So how is it that God loves us and we sin and also he is holy? How could this 
divide? How could this separation be healed? Once again, it's Isaiah who describes the consequence of sin in this way. He writes, your iniquities have made a separation between you and God. And your sins have hidden his face. The strength and rescue to repair the divide between God's holiness that prevents him from coexisting with sin and his love for us. The way that this separation can be repaired, the way that the divide could be bridged is through Jesus. 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. If anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous, not one among many, the one who is truly righteous. He himself, he himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. And not only for our sins, but the sins of all the world. Talk about a mighty God. To save, to save sinners, that's a mighty work. That is a mighty work. I cannot save myself from my sin. None of us can save ourselves from our own sin let alone do we have the ability or capacity to save anyone else from their sin? What about our family members and friends? The saving work, salvation, is an act of a mighty God. Mighty comes from the Greek word dunamis, which means strength. It means power and a power that is built into the existence it is an ability a powerful ability it is the miraculous it is it is a force that overcomes opposition a force that overcomes opposition at the end of this life defeating the consequence of sin will be the only mighty work that matters Yet, God loves us so much that in addition to saving us for eternity, he also is at work in our present. Luke 19, verse 37. This is, right, this is at the time in history when Jesus is making his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Look at the reaction. As he was drawing near, as Jesus was drawing near, already on the way down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice, for all the mighty works they had seen. For all the mighty works they had seen. This is before Jesus gave his life on the cross. Before Jesus' death on the cross. Before his resurrection. Before his ascension. The people already saw him as mighty. They already recognized that what was happening in his life was superhuman. Was above human ability. I think of the faces in the crowd. How many who were praising God that day experienced a mighty work in their own life? They were healed. Their mother was healed. Father, son, daughter, sister, brother. Why? Because for three years leading up to this moment, Matthew tells us that Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of the area, 
teaching in the synagogues, announcing the good news, and healing every kind of disease. And it's work that continues today. It continues today through his followers, through his disciples, and it's God's desire that each and every one of us who would say we are a follower of Christ, he wants us to be a disciple. Matthew 10.1, Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them the authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. After the death, resurrection, and ascension back to heaven, through the power of the Holy Spirit, Peter gives the church's first sermon on what we know as the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 2, verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Peter speaks. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst as you yourselves know. God, God's mighty work through Jesus Christ, this is his credential. How do you know that he is the one, look to his mighty works. Look to his mighty works that were done among you. The mighty works of Jesus are evidence of his divinity, fully God and fully man. The healings, the teachings, casting out the demonic, miraculous provision, raising the dead. These are proofs that Jesus is the promised Messiah. Mighty works demonstrate God's power. So in this Christmas season, we don't just celebrate that Jesus was born. We're not simply celebrating a birth. We're celebrating what Jesus was born to do. John, an inner circle apostle who walked and talked with Jesus for three years, he would later in his life write this, 1 John 3, 8, whoever makes a practice of sinning, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. The reason the Son of God was born, the reason Jesus was born was to destroy the works of the devil. Maybe you've never associated destruction with Christmas. I don't, we're sitting around roasting chestnuts on the open fire, celebrating destruction. We don't often think of the word, we don't often link the word destroy to Christmas. But yet, destroy is exactly what Jesus came to do. Not my words, the words of the Apostle John. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. To willingly go after what God is against, the practice of sinning, this is of the devil, and Jesus came to destroy this work. The devil's work is to keep people out of relationship with their heavenly father and to prevent them from being part of his purposes. Not only does Jesus want to destroy the work of the enemy, look at what John says next. 1 John 3, 9. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep sinning because he has been born of God. God. So it's not like Jesus comes into our life and does this destroying work against what is against God and then just leaves us with a rubble of sin mess kind of at the basement of our soul. No, he eradicates it from our life and then he rebuilds, he replaces. He eradicates the sin 
eradicates the desire for sin and he replaces it with the Holy Spirit, God's seed in us. So yes, Jesus overcomes illness. Yes, Jesus supplies for needs. Yes, Jesus repairs relationships. Maybe as you come in here today, you say there's something that I'm praying for God to conquer. I'm praying for God to conquer this illness. I'm praying for God to conquer this financial situation. I'm praying for God to conquer this um, issue. I'm praying for God to conquer this anxiety, this depression. Yes, we experience Jesus in this way. However, we may be seeking Jesus to conquer something for us when his priority is to conquer the sin in us. What changes a person's appetite for sin? God's seed abides. It lives in us. You see, an appetite for sin and the Holy Spirit cannot peacefully cohabitate in a Christ follower's life. An appetite for sin and the Holy Spirit cannot peacefully cohabitate in the life of a follower of Christ. This week, it was incredible. On primetime network television, in a Christmas special, country music legend Dolly Parton said this. My brothers and my sisters, I'm here to tell you that Satan is real. He is real and walking around among us, trying to destroy everything that's good and beautiful. He wants to break our hearts and minds, destroy our dreams and plans. He wants to tear us up in little pieces, break us down, and send us straight to hell. On primetime network television. And she wasn't done there yet. Missionary Dolly Parton continues. She said, my God can do anything. Heal the sick, mend hearts, and bring souls to heaven. <laughs> It could be what you're going through right now, the mightiness of God, it seems distant. Maybe there's a chronic illness. Maybe there's a physical disability, a broken relationship, anxiety, discouragement. Maybe there's an appetite for a sin that you can't seem to shake. Maybe you'd say, I'm a follower of Christ, but there's this sin that keeps coming up in my life and I cannot seem to get away from it. As we think about these things, it is difficult to understand God's how, God's what, God's when, and God's why. However, we do know that in seasons where it seems like the mightiness of God is distant, he wants us to wait faithfully and seek him continually. Wait faithfully and seek him continually. In 2019, a 16-year-old high school football player in Ohio named Zach was doing yard work with his mom when a neighbor cried for help. The teenager rushed over to the neighbor's house and this woman said, my husband is trapped underneath our Volkswagen. He'd been doing some mechanic work under the car. Zach, the football player, would later tell a local reporter, the jack broke or slipped and the car fell on top of him from the waist up. 
Zach said, the only thing I could see was his legs and he was struggling. What we would later learn is that the bumper was crushing this man's chest and another part of the car was pushing down on his head. Somehow, Zach, in the adrenaline of the moment, and we will give all the glory to God, was able to lift the car by himself high enough to free the man from being pinned underneath. Doctors said that if Zach had not acted, the neighbor would have died. Zach said this, I thank God, I thank God for putting me in the position and giving me the strength. I thank God for putting me in the position and giving me the strength. Car weighs 3,000 pounds. Now, we can try this maybe after the service today. We could go out to the parking lot and we could take turns trying to lift the front end or the back end of a car high enough for someone else to roll underneath. And we will take volunteers for those who would like to try to roll underneath. (laughs) And I, I haven't tested this yet, but I think that it would be difficult to impossible for any of us to lift any of the cars in the parking lot high enough for a person to roll underneath. There are stories of people receiving superhuman strength in a moment of desperate crisis like this. But, but here's what is also true, is that that strength that is with them for a moment does not last. Like if we were to track down Zach today and say, Zach, could you lift up this car? I don't know that he'd be able to do it. He had supernatural strength for a moment. This is not how it is with God. This is not how it is with God. If we feel like God is distant, if we feel like the mightiness of God is distant, it's not because he's missing his strength today. It's not because he used all of his strength helping someone else. It's not because he gave too much of himself to a different situation and doesn't have enough left over for your situation. God is always mighty. God's strength is limitless. God does not need rest. He's not hungry. He's not tired. When he doesn't move the way that we want, when we want, or how we want, it's not because he lacks ability. Peter writes, and I think this is exactly what someone needs to hear today. Humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. Choose to live like under an umbrella, under the covering of a mighty God. Humble yourselves under the mighty, the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up. Humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, not my right time, not your right time, in his right timing, his perfect timing, he will lift you up. And then Peter writes this, give all your worries and cares to God. Cast your cares upon God, for he cares about you. In the Old Testament, we read about historic 
improbable military victories that can only be credited to a mighty God where God gave his people impossible victories. That God is still in charge today. The mighty God promised in Christ by Isaiah, Jesus, we don't read about military conquests in the New Testament. We do read about a conquest that happens from the inside out, a transformation that happens from the inside out. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, God's mighty weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We use God's mighty weapons to destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We use God's mighty weapons to capture their rebellious thoughts. And we use God's mighty weapons to teach others to obey Christ. And to the Ephesians, once again, speaking about the mighty God, Paul writes, now all glory to God, who is able, who is able through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Jesus is mighty counselor. I've done that every service today. Jesus is mighty God. He is wonderful counselor. Wonderful counselor, mighty God. Many of you in this room you have a testimony about how God has been mighty in your life. For some of us, it's an addiction. An addiction to alcohol. An addiction to drugs. An addiction to pornography, to gambling, to painkillers, whatever it may be. And you would say that that addiction was a captivity. And Jesus, as mighty God set you free from that captivity. I believe there have been people who are here today and you would say that because of something that happened to you as a child, something that happened to you as a teenager, where someone did something to you, they were in a position of trust and they abused that position of trust to do something to you. And as a result, it caused a hardness around your heart. And that hardness around your heart, it blocked your ability to love others and blocked your ability to receive love from others. And you would say today that God did a mighty work through his son, Jesus Christ, and through Christ, that hardness that had calcified around your heart, it was broken for good, in a good way. And because of that mighty work of Jesus, you were able to love again. And others, you were in a position to receive love from them because of the mighty work of Jesus Christ. Some of us, and I would place myself in this category, for a season in our life, we thought that we were going to find the fulfillment that we desired through career, 
And we convinced ourselves that if we just got enough influence and had enough income that we would be fulfilled only to find that these things that we thought were going to bring us this joy and satisfaction were also actually quite empty. And we would say God did a mighty work in our life leading us to realize that the true joy, the true peace, and the true purpose comes through relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. A mighty God, a mighty God. And any one of us today who is a follower of Christ, we've experienced the mighty work of the son because he suffered and died for us and gave his life so that we could have a hope. Would you stand with me in this place? Father, we're here to say thank you. Thank you today for saving us. Thank you today for being mighty and for sending your son Jesus Christ as mighty. The people, they saw his works as mighty as he healed, as he cast out the demonic, as he taught. And yet the greatest act of his might would be his defeat of death, death on the cross, resurrection, and then ascension back to heaven. Father, we say thank you for the mighty work that you've done in us. For the one who's here today, they feel distant from their mighty God today. Father, give them the Holy Spirit path to seek you continually and to wait patiently with a confidence that at the right time you're going to lift them up out of whatever it is you, they are facing today. Father, I want to pray right now for the one who would say, I'm, I'm here today and I'm fo a follower of Christ. I love Jesus. Yet there is this, this sin in my life that keeps coming back or I keep going back to whatever it is. And, and, and this, this person today, this friend, they, they are saying right now, I, I go to whatever that is and I, I know that it's against you, but I feel weak. Maybe it just happened this week and I, I went back there and I, I, and the, I immediately regret it. Your word, Father, tells us that you sent your son Jesus Christ to destroy the work of the enemy. So in this moment, we declare whatever that sin is as work of the enemy. And we declare in this moment that it is destroyed by the name of Jesus Christ. Not by our own strength, not by our own ability. We declare it destroyed by the work of Jesus Christ. And if you're here today, and you would say, I'm outside of relationship with my heavenly father. I want that mighty salvation work, that mighty saving work, that mighty work that bridges the gap between father, your holiness, and your, the, the reality that it is against your nature to coexist with sin, the separation between that and your love for us. Father, for the one who wants to receive Jesus Christ today as their savior, we pray for them in this moment. If that's you, 
then right now it's time to declare to your heavenly father, I receive the mighty work of Jesus. It may feel weird, but say it out loud. If this is you, say, Father, I receive the mighty work of Jesus in my life. Say, Father, I realize that my sin, it is a separating thing. It has hurt me, it's hurt others, and it's ruined my relationship with you. So tell your heavenly father, I want to leave that sin in the past. I invite Jesus into my life to destroy the sin of the enemy and say, Father, today I declare your son as my savior. Jesus is my savior and make a personal commitment that it is your desire, it is your commitment to live your life following Jesus. Father, I thank you for the one who gave their life to Jesus in this moment. Thank you for your salvation work, the mighty work, the transforming work, the work that saves humanity from sin, including each one who placed their faith in him here today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We pray that this week's message has been practical, encouraging, and challenging. Let us know if you made a first-time commitment or recommitment to following Christ. Visit peopleschurch.com and click Connect to share your decision with us. There is great value in being a part of a Christ-centered, Bible-teaching faith community. If you are looking for a church home, Pastor Tom Murray invites you to People's Church in Salem. Sunday morning and evening worship services, group Bible studies, relevant engaging activities for kids and youth in safe, secure environments. Watch messages anytime or plan your visit at peopleschurch.com.